It was a crazy end to the conference championship playoff weekend with the Chiefs getting the win over the Bengals. And the Eagles will meet them in the Super Bowl. But before we talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast, we got to talk to our man Rayford Apollo because he's about to go to the Senior Bowl. And it's going to be a, a long week of looking at prospects who the Steelers could target going into the upcoming NFL draft. We'll talk about what that process is going to be like this week, then get into the playoffs, and then some Penn's talk right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here joined by Ray Fittipato on a Monday episode. As always, you could download this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially on YouTube. Watch this video on YouTube. Subscribe it. Uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily episodes of content. We have this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but there's always content coming out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette right here. Subscribe here. Like this video if you enjoy it. Ray We'll get into the playoffs and what we saw this weekend in a bit, but I think I wanted to spend some time sort of educating Steelers fans who might not be as up on the Senior Bowl and what the, what this week's going to be like. You're going to be our man uh, down there in Mobile, Alabama, getting to getting to look at how things how things play out this week. Just a general consensus, if you could just describe what the environment's going to be like to Steelers fans. What's the what's your biggest takeaway from the Senior Bowl? Right, so even more so than the game on Saturday, I think there's a lot of evaluating um, by the coaches and the GMs and the scouts that takes place during the week. So um, each team will practice on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, um, you know, all of the uh, front office types and the coaching uh, staffs will be in attendance and watching all these guys practice. And uh, then, of course, you know, the, the game is, is the final piece um, of the evaluation, but, you know, in addition to the Hula Bowl, which is, you know, a smaller game and East Shrine, another smaller type game, these are the best senior prospects in the draft. Now, there are underclassmen who are going to get drafted perhaps ahead of these guys, um, but these are the best seniors um, or redshirt juniors in this draft. So that's kind of a primer for the week. Um, lots of good prospects down there. And, of course, the Steelers – and their fans will be interested. They got the picks of, uh, you know, 17, 32, 49, and 80. Um, you know, in the upcoming draft, they got four picks in the top three rounds. So um, this is another big year for, for the Steelers down in Mobile. Absolutely. And I believe uh, cornerback coach Grady Brown's a defensive coordinator for one of the teams. So they'll get some Correct. firsthand experience with one of their position coaches being able to talk to some of these kids. And I also think it's important to point out, Ray, and you were talking about this a little bit with the, the practices are sometimes more valuable as far as a learning perspective than the actual game. I think it's, that's always interesting to see the reps that you guys get to see when you're down there live and then get to see how who's interacting with whom uh, down there as the week goes on. Yeah, I mean, much of the same way, um, you know, think about a pro day. Um, you know, there will be offensive line coaches um, from designated NFL teams who will put, uh, let's say, the players at Pitt through an offensive line drill. And they develop a program based on what the other scouts and the other teams want to see. And this will be very similar um, at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, Grady Brown will, will 
have his plans on, you know, how they're going to um, uh, approach each, pra- each practice. What individual drills do these GMs and coaches want to see? Um, what kind of uh, competition periods do these guys want to see? So, you know, that's all part of it. Um, you know, this is really the first um, big step in the draft process, but you're going to have the combine too. You're going to have uh, top 30 visits. Um, you know, you'll, these teams will get a chance to work out some of these guys individually as well on campus. But um, I, I think it's very good. Uh, it's a very good opportunity for these front offices to, uh, you know, sort of kick off the draft process and see these guys and the types of drills that they're going to be running here as pros in a couple of months. Absolutely. And you'll be down there. You'll be gathering information. You'll be learning. You'll kind of be able to see some things close up. But just heading in, can you give us just a, a couple names here and there who you think pique your interest as far as guys that the Steelers could look to for some to fill some of their positions of need? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, uh, this is a draft um, that's really shaping up as, as a defensive draft. I think most of the top uh, players in these mock drafts that fans will see on various websites loaded with edge rushers and loaded with cornerbacks um, in the first round. Daniel Jeremiah, uh, the NFL Network, has eight edge rushers and six corners going in, in his first round. So if you, you do the math on that, that basically – one half of the first round um, on those two positions. So not all those guys are going to be at the Senior Bowl. Um, One of the big names who was going to be here was Illinois corner Devin Witherspoon. He opted out. You know, he's pretty much entrenched as a top, top half of the first round guy. I think, you know, the lowest he'll go is maybe uh, 15 or 20. But, I, you know, I think he's probably going to be out of the Steelers range. Another cornerback. Uh, named Tyreek Stevenson, uh, mm. you know, probably a day two pick. Uh, although Jeremiah had him at the end of his first round. So he's a guy to keep an eye on this week. And then if you talk about uh, trench guys, Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Uh, a lot of people talking about Paris Johnson. Um, uh, he, he's an underclassman who's going to come out. He's Ohio State's left tackle. Dewan Jones played right tackle for Ohio State. And he's a day two guy. He's going to get drafted mm-hmm. second or third round. Um, I saw Jim Nagy, who was the executive director of the Senior Bowl, tweet last night. DeWan Jones has the biggest wingspan ever at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's got he, he's got a wingspan of of uh, someone who's seven foot five. So um, those are the types of things, the measurements that uh, uh, you know you're getting on guys for the first time length for offensive tackles, all that stuff comes into play. So um, if the Steelers don't pull a trigger, um, pull the trigger on a, on a tackle in the first round, I'll be writing about some of the guys, possibly second round, third round, that they'll be keeping an eye on here down in Mobile. Certainly. I think that that's very much a possibility. I think the, there's a few guys there. There's also guys that, you know, if, if even if they don't go tackle, if they want to go in the interior line, there's going to be, I think, Osiris uh, Torrance, uh, right. from uh, from Florida. He's another guy that's going to be down there. But I think that's that's the key here. I think that people need to look at. Some of you might think, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be great in the first round. But guys make their hay here, often go late first round, second round, mid, mid, you know, anywhere in the second round, and possibly even third and fourth rounds. But, like, you know, guys, Christian Watson last year, he was, you know, kind of a, a name that people were intrigued by his, his, you know, his build. But it was what he did at the Senior Bowl that made him a second-round pick for the, for the Packers. It's going to be interesting to see 
who got what guys step up here. And that's, again, why it's like we're just giving a preliminary look at here, not a commitment on who definitely is going to be the guy the Steelers need to just target the whole week. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the Steelers have taken, and this was under Kevin Colbert, so Mm -hmm. new regime, so keep that in mind. They've drafted six players who have taken part in the Senior Bowl over the last two years. Mm. People always look at, okay, first-rounders, Najee Harris a couple years ago, Kenny Pickett last year, of course, but uh, Dan Moore Jr. was a Senior Bowl participant back in, uh, I guess it would have been 2021, Trey Norwood as well. So they're able to, you know, identify guys – um, in the deeper rounds uh, or undrafted free agents too. So that's another aspect of this process. It's just not all the all the big hype guys you're going to be hearing about over the next couple of months. There, there are going to be guys, like you said, middle rounds, late rounds, um, that the Steelers will be down here scouting as well. Absolutely. One of those guys also could be Pitt's own, Servasier Dennis. He's the lone Pitt Panther who's down here for the start of the week. Though I do want to remind people, sometimes late invite happen, late invites happen. Jimmy Morrissey was a beneficiary of that uh, years ago for Pitt. He got There was an injury that happened that allowed him to get a late invite, came in, got some reps, and ended up being a late-round draft pick because of it. So not something that always happens, but something to keep on, on the mind. But Servasier Dennis will be the Pitt player to watch if any if anyone's out there. And who knows? Maybe the Steelers could use an off-ball linebacker in the later rounds uh, looking, at, looking at this draft. But I want to get Ray's thoughts on the playoffs because that was the action that we saw there before he heads down to Mobile. We'll get Ray's thoughts on that in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But first, we got to talk to you about our great sponsors at Valley Pool and Spa. The snow is here and there. It's that time of the year where you're starting to, where you're not sure if it's going to be ice cold or if it's just going to be kind of chilly. But the best place to kind of deal with that is in your own house in uh, when you're enjoying one of your swim spas or your hot tubs or your saunas that you bought from Valley Pool and Spa. You can relax and soak in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa right in your own home. And the best place to go do that and find all the different saunas and spas available is right there at Valley Pool and Spa. They have a Finlayo sauna. It's going to help melt your stress away, relax, feel awesome at home, and feel refreshed when you go out to attack your day. So go to Valley Pool and Spa right right now to save big on all in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas at valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're all here talking things. Ray, let's take a step back from the Steelers and the Senior Bowl for a minute, and let's look at what happened in these playoff games. Now, on the NFC side, it's pretty much obvious just what, what happened there. I, you know, uh, the Eagles were, were an obvious favorite going into the game, and then that even increased by a lot more when Brock Purdy got hurt early on. And the Niners, I thought, they did a good job hanging in there in the first half, you know, keeping it close for a little bit. But then eventually the Eagles, they were just the, the, the team that they've been all season. They, they will punish you if you do not capitalize on any mistakes or you don't make some plays of your own. And eventually it was just too much for the Niners to handle. Yeah, Chris. I mean, if you look at Philadelphia's two playoff games and, um, you know, the number one seeds for the second year in a row, the only teams that get buys. So two playoff opponents, uh, 88 carries, 416 yards. Jalen, yeah, Jalen Hurts did not throw for more than 154 yards in the playoffs so far. Threw for a buck 21 yesterday in that win yesterday. So that's their formula on defense. They get after quarterbacks. 
Um, you know, people keep saying you got to run the ball against Philly. Um, that's their weakness. Teams don't do it. We San Francisco, perhaps the the best or one of the best running teams in the NFL, and they didn't get a chance to do that yesterday. You know, a lot because of the quarterback situation. But you know, if San Francisco can't do it, can't establish it, then um, you know, I don't know who who's going to be able to do that. Certainly not the Chiefs. Um, Mahomes is going to be dropping back and passing in, in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, the, the, the Eagles just bludgeon you in, in the trenches on both sides. That's the way that team was built. And pay attention, Steelers fans. Andy Weidel helped build that Eagles team. He put together the draft boards for the past three years for the Eagles. He's now the assistant GM, the top personnel man under Omar Khan with the Steelers. So, um a lot of speculation that he's going to address the trenches for the Steelers. I wouldn't be surprised if he does here this offseason. To, to your point, they beat the Giants 38-7. to They beat the Niners 31-7. to And now they get to face a Chiefs team that I think they had a spirited fuck, but I think you're, they're, you're right. They're going to have to bring it. And that was the Niners' vaunted run defense that they ripped apart and had four rushing touchdowns on. They now with with that they had they now have the most rushing touchdowns combined in their regular season and playoffs in NFL history. It was a record that football wise stood since 1924 uh, for a team from Frankfurt. So you're absolutely right. The Eagles setting a tone for what I think the Steelers are trying to get to in the next couple yeah. couple of years. But two teams that had the major quarterbacks that everyone was talking about going into this game uh, going into this weekend were the Bengals with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, with, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was a great game. It was a lot better of a game than what we saw on the other side with a 31-7 beatdown, but the Chiefs finding a way to edge things out there. Um, I, I thought it was really spirited effort there, Ray, from Patrick Mahomes with the way that he he threw some really tough passes. He hung, he hung in the pocket, and then in the end with the scramble that he had to keep that drive alive, penalties aside with the, the push out of bounds, the side, yeah. I, I thought – he showed exactly why people call him the best in the league with that game. Yeah, I mean, just a terrific performance by Mahomes. You know he wasn't 100%, but he battled. Um, You know, the Bengals didn't get off to a good start, Chris, and I thought that really set the stage for the Chiefs to just sort of, you know, get a lead in that game, okay, put some doubt in the minds of the Bengals um, that they, you know, they could get it done. the Bengals just ripped apart the Bills early, jumped on top, and that was no contest. That did not happen yesterday. Um, so, I, you know, I thought the Chiefs' defense really stepped up. Usually it's the Chiefs' offense we're always talking about. Um, how about the number of rookies, uh, especially yes. in the secondary? I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, for the Chiefs. I mean, um, just really impressive stuff by Steve Spagnuolo. Um, I don't know if it's going to be enough to beat the Eagles. We'll, we'll see. Um, I do find it interesting that um, uh, we have sort of one team, the Chiefs from the modern era, and then we kind of have the Eagles, like a turn-back-the-clock type of team, right. you know, defense and, and, and run the ball. Um, kind of a fascinating Super Bowl from that perspective. So I can't wait. You know, it'll be uh, hopefully a great game in a couple of weeks, but kind of a contrasting styles there, if, if you ask me. No, I agree. I, this is something that I think I've been talking about 
as far as playing into something I think Steelers fans should watch just to see how it plays out because you had teams in the, in the NFC and AFC championship games, you had completely different styles of offenses. The Bengals pass first, uh, you know, load up the wide receiver core, let Joe Burrow air it out, even though they do play, their wins have come because Joe Mixon has run well and the defense has played well, which I think will be very interesting for how that team might have to retool itself this offseason because they have some questions that they're going to have to answer it with free agency and they have money to spend now but they can't afford to lock themselves too much into the wrong guys because Joe Burrow's co- contract renewal will right. be coming in a couple of years. So that's going to be interesting on the side, but you're absolutely right about the, the Eagles and the, the Eagles, the way that they play, they play the style of ball. The Steelers, I think are trying to get to as do, as do the Niners and as do a few other teams in the NFL. And I think it's going to be very interesting. The style contrast, how that plays out in this, in this upcoming Super Bowl that we're going to see in two weeks. But another thing you pointed out, I think that the, the, the Chiefs deserve a ton of uh, commendations for how they played in this game. You had, especially on defense, like you talked about, there was the play where they intercepted Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter. It was a double, they, they double teamed T. Higgins on a deep ball. It was a rookie who tipped the ball and a rookie who intercepted the ball. And, and Trent McDuffie, uh, another rookie himself, he got beat a couple times early, but there were some really big plays that he made. I, I thought it was very resilient. You saw the effort from that Chiefs team. Uh, to bounce back when the because I, I said this all game long when the Chiefs came out and they were getting the stops early but only getting field goals I was like that could come back to bite you and eventually the Bengals they came roaring out but you saw that Chiefs defense they didn't flinch they didn't they didn't crumble they they, they kept making stands I thought that was very promising I do think that's going to make this this other uh, Super Bowl very interesting for me at least we got to see how healthy the Chiefs are because one Patrick Mahomes you know, even though he made he had a great game, he's definitely on 100%. They were down to three wide receivers by the end of that game. They got to see how healthy those guys can get. Um, but I, I think the way that they adjusted to how the Bengals played was phenomenal. I, I wonder if there's if Andy Reid and, and Spagnuolo and that, and that and that coaching staff have something in store that can battle with what the Eagles do. Yeah, I mean, listen, Snead goes out early, what, first or second series. Yep. Um, you know, they got to put backups in. I mean, the reason – I mean, those guys played great. Secondary played great. They got two interceptions uh, of Burrow. But Chris Jones is the man. I mean, that guy is a really good football Monster. player. Uh, you know, the other Chiefs on that front got after it too. So um, it's always the case, you know, when, when the secondary makes plays, um, there's usually pressure up front. Um, so, that you know, Chris Jones is, is the Chiefs' best defensive player. He showed up Sunday, and I thought that – really help that young Chief secondary come through and make some plays. Absolutely. We'll be talking about, about how that plays out when that does. But until then, follow my man Ray Fittipaldo and all the great work that he does. He's going to be in Mobile. He's leaving a little bit after that, uh, uh, a, little, a little bit after we record this. We'll get some more insight from him once he's down there because I want to hear some of the insights that Ray has. But if you want to read his work, only at the post at post-gazette.com. Thanks so much, Ray. We'll see you again soon. We'll be switching topics in a, in a bit here in a minute. But first, we got to talk to you guys about Yinzes and the Berg. Hey, Pittsburgh sports fans, if you need gear, the best place to go 
is Yenzers in the Berg. They've got their two stores in the strip district that you can go to anytime to get all the Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and anything you could think Pittsburgh sports. And if you can't get there, just go to their website, yenzerspgh.com. At yenzerspgh.com, they have new merchandise updating every week to get you new gear, whether you're a Steelers fan, Pirates fan, uh, Penguins fan, Pitt fan, whatever Pittsburgh, whatever thing you got Pittsburgh sports, they've got there. So go to Yenzers in the Berg or check them out online at yenzerspgh.com. That's yenzerspgh.com for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter here, your host. We're switching now. We had our man Ray Fittipaldo talking Senior Bowl and NFL playoffs. And now we've got our man Andrew Destin, who's out there in Wilkes-Barre covering the Baby Penguins. But... We got to talk about the the main Penguins, Andrew, because that was a disturbing loss that we saw to the San Jose Sharks on on Saturday, and I, I think it left a lot of people reeling about where the Penguins are. And you saw some uncharacteristic things there, especially like on the the, the game losing goal that they gave up. You see Sidney Crosby skating along the skating on the side, not engaging in the way that people expect him to in a lot in a lot of those big moments. And San Jose, they're a lottery team. Like they're a team that, that's looking to try to, you know, they're in the they're in the running to have the number one overall lottery pick this year. And you can't afford to lose to those types of teams when you're struggling to be in the playoff hunt right now. What what went wrong there for the Penguins? And is this even more of a bad sign for what's coming in the second half of the season? I think the better question is uh, what went right. Uh, because this, you, you can make the argument this was the worst game or the second worst game of the season for the Penguins. Another one that comes to mind is when they blew a 4 nothing lead after the first period against the Detroit Red Wings uh, right after the Christmas break. Have your choice, whichever one of those two. Uh, this, this was a horrendous performance from the Penguins, uh, especially, like you said, against a team like the Sharks that uh, they're trying to lose. I mean, that's pretty much the active point there. And you were facing a backup goaltender, for San Jose on the second night of a back-to-back road series for the Sharks. They had played in Carolina the night before and lost in overtime. So everything about this game screamed must win for Pittsburgh. And they, you know, came up short in that one. And heading into the All-Star break, I mean, it's a nine-day layoff where the Penguins really do need to rest up and refine themselves because they are clinging to that eighth-place spot. And I don't think we should expect to see more of these kinds of, uh, you know, failures from the Penguins in the sense of, losing to doormat franchises uh, you know, like the Sharks are right now in the Western Conference. But there were a lot of issues that have kind of, like you said, plagued the Penguins all year long. Careless defense in their own zone, uh, untimely goaltending. Casey DeSmith wasn't able to bail the team out when they kind of needed him to. And on the offensive end, they were successful on the power play. But if you look at the five-on-five game, the Sharks kind of took it to the Penguins. So those are all things that have been constant all year long is that when the power play is firing, Penguins do well when it's not, uh, you know, leave something to be desired because the five on five game isn't quite where it needs to be. And then the penalty kill for the most part has been good for the Penguins. But of course, you know, you'd like to see a little bit better there and just not be so special teams dependent because that's what it feels like it is for this team right now, which maybe that's to be expected with an older franchise, one of the older teams in hockey that when you shrink the game to just a third of the sheet of ice, you know, make it a little bit easier on yourself, but still uh, being so special teams dependent, um, they still got two goals out of it uh, against the Sharks, and that wasn't enough. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a rough part of this situation here. And now you're sitting there at 57 points in the standings, and 
you know, we were talking about early when they beat the Panthers it was a good sign that, okay, they can, you know, they, they, they can separate themselves. But right behind them, Buffalo at 56 points, the Islanders at 55 points, and the, the, the Panthers at 54 points. This is shaping up to be a close thing. And, and I think it's also interesting, you know, to see the points differential uh, in, or, you know, goals differential on, on their situation right now. You look at all the other seven teams that, you know, are ranked ahead of them in the Eastern Conference standing right now. All of them are in double digits uh, in, in goals difference on the year from allowed to, sc- to scored. The Penguins are only plus eight on the season. Even Buffalo is plus 20, and they're behind them in the standings right now. It, it makes me wonder, Andrew, if part of this has been the discontinuity, you, know, you and I talked about this just last week about how, you know, with Latang and him coming back and the things, and there's been things in the way of this team playing consistently together. But also, this is a vet team that's supposed to understand how to do that without as much catch up time as, say, teams that are be- are banking on a lot of new players, first, second, third year players, uh, you know, on their roster. I think it's just it's more concern that we're looking at here that maybe the Penguins are actually in trouble of, of of losing the longest playoff streak in sports history. Yeah, I mean, I think that really signals with an older franchise, you know, when you look at this roster and who's logging a lot of the minutes, I mean, on the guys who have played in every game this season, it's your Malkins, it's your Crosby, it's Brian Dumoulin. I mean, these are names that we've heard for many years in Pittsburgh and the thought of tired legs has to come to mind. And you couldn't really have asked, I think, for a better time for the All-Star break if you're the Penguins with, like we mentioned before, you know, guys who are coming back that they're desperately needing back into the lineup. Um, It it can't hurt. You know, you have to believe that after the All-Star break, more than likely Tristan Jari will be back ready to go. And that's certainly a big thing. Jan Ruda, who's been a steadying presence on that blue line, it helps to get those guys back. But there's something to be said about, you know, after 49 games, maybe these guys just needed some time off. And it feels simplistic, but I think it really goes to the point that if these guys, this veteran core, isn't ready for that stretch drive of the next 33 games um, right out the gate, then they're going to lose this eight, uh, eight seed really quickly. And uh, it's going to be hard to make up ground when you've essentially been riding a couple of really hot streaks, one at the beginning of December and one at the very beginning of the season, that have essentially carried your team through a lot of mediocre to less than play uh, through the rest of the regular season. It's two hot streaks and a lot of nothing else really from the Penguins. And you can point to those special teams as reasons uh, for those hot streaks, as well as some really great goaltending performances from Tristan Jari. And you don't have him right now, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Whenever he returns, that's huge. But for the time being, uh, this team is lacking in a lot of different areas. And coming out of that all-star break, they really will need to be uh, hitting it from the get-go. Otherwise, we could be talking, Chris, uh, about that long playoff streak coming to an end. It's crazy to think about that and, and, you know, the efforts that the, the, the Penguins front office made to keep this crew together. The last thing here for you, Andrew, if there's one thing that you can cling to right now that, that a turnaround could happen, that a, a solid second half push, whether it is the front office or players on the team or Tristan Jarry being healthy, what is the biggest thing you're holding on to right now to see like, hey, I, I do, do think the Penguins can do this and that could be what pushes them up in the standings just enough to protect their spot? Yeah, you said it right there. It's Jari. They need him to go on another one of those heater stretches like he had in December. I mean, Penguins fans know that he's more than capable of a month-long extended of really excellent hockey uh, that kind of propels the team. And for the rest of that, he's a solid, not spectacular goaltender. If they can get him back at full strength and not get hurt for the third time this year, he's already had two stretches now, including in the current one where he's missed some time. 
once he returns, I mean, the, the stats speak for themselves of his mark at 1.16, 5 and 5. Um, you know, this is a guy who, when at his best, is probably a top 10 goaltender in the NHL. Getting him back instead of Casey DeSmith as your number one, who this year has really struggled when being elevated from a backup yeah. to a starting role. Um, that's another cause for concern because if Jari doesn't come back, uh, you know, my expectations of the Penguins making the playoffs will go much lower. Um, but if there's anything to hang your head on, it's, yeah, if Jari can come back and be healthy and be the goalie that he was for the majority of this season, then you're probably okay if you're the Penguins. But that's a lot to ask for, and you're kind of banking on one player, which is not where you want to be for a roster of over 20. I hear that. We'll see if they can make those adjustments. Like you said, they got a week off, time to time, time to get healthy, get to the, get this break. But I do think you're right. We're going to need to see some hot streaks from this team to kind of pull, pull their way. But we've seen Crosby, Malkin, and that crew do it before, granted, when they were younger. So it's going to be interesting to see how they make that push. Andrew, thanks so much for your great coverage. Follow him like you follow all of us at post-gazette.com and all the work we do here on Everything Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks again for checking out the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We thank both Andrew and our earlier guest, Ray Fittipato, on their coverage on the Steelers and the Penguins. We'll have another episode Wednesday, but don't miss uh, Noah, Noah Hiles and I. We have our pit mailbag coming out on two Tuesday on the same channel. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and especially YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to this channel for all of our daily content from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This show, this show will be back Wednesday talking all things Pittsburgh sports. Should be a fun one. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, Click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.